0: Well, good morning, everybody. Happy New Year. I didn't get to say that last last week, so I can say it this year. It's uh, good to see you. Uh, Welcome, online guests. Glad to have you today. It's 2017, and I love New Year's. It's a chance for a fresh start, new beginnings. Uh, I just got back a couple nights ago, spending some time with family and friends in California, and was so looking forward to coming back here to be with church family and friends here in Northeast Ohio, because I believe God has some exciting things for us for the new year. And every time we flip that calendar, even though it's something tangible and physical and feels very, you know, human in a sense to flip a calendar, I believe that God gives us this chance to really uh, look at new horizons and really ask the question, God, what new things do you want to do in us and through us this year? What are some new things that you want to do in us and through us this year? And really the answer to that question is going to depend on whether or not we are living to our god given capacity. The question as to whether uh, just how much God is going to want to do in you and through you is really going to rely and depend on how much you are living to your God-given capacity. Now, let me uh, explain that for a second. Like, this glass has been made for a certain capacity. Now, now, every glass has a different size, a different shape, right? So we might see different sizes and shapes of glasses. Uh, they all look different. There's a variety of them. But they all have been designed to hold a particular capacity of fluid. And the question is, what is the capacity God has given you? Now, if, if, for example, you were at a restaurant and a server came along, hey, sir, would you like some water today? Sure, I'd love some water. And they were to pour a little bit of water and then walk away. With only that much water. At that point in time, you might be like, well, okay, I guess some is better than none. Um, But you might give them the look like, is that all? (laughs) And if you're a coffee drinker and they only put a little bit of coffee in your cup, I mean, you'll probably like take their life. But, um, (laughs) But the thing is, is there's something so lacking, so dull, so uninspiring about a container holding less than it was designed for. Instead, the container has been given a capacity and is intended to be filled to the capacity that it holds. That's true for glasses, but here's the thing, it's also true for you. See, I think if you were to look at the average life of a follower of Christ, in reality, a lot of us are walking around like this. We, we, we are walking around filled a little bit, but perhaps not to the capacity that God has made you for. And one of the reasons is because this is comfortable. I can move this glass around without worrying about spilling anything. I, I, can, I can walk around. I can you know, tilt it wide because it's comfortable. I don't need to worry about anything falling out. It's comfortable to live at less capacity than God has designed you for. But here's something we need to understand. Our comfort is not our capacity. Say that again. Our comfort is not our capacity. God has designed you and built you the ability for greater capacity. And the way that you're going to start to pursue living to the capacity that God has for you is to start becoming a person who's going to take greater risks. And we're not talking about being reckless. We're not talking about risk for the sake of risk. We're talking about thinking about the Lord and His mission to reach people who don't know Him, trying to populate heaven, and saying, what kind of risks am I taking for Jesus? What are the risks that I'm taking for Jesus? Because when you think about your spiritual life, your comfort doesn't equal your capacity. And typically what we do is we live according to our comfort. In fact, we live to be comfortable We give according to our comfort. We build relationships based on uh, comfort. We have conversations that feel comfortable, but then we've kind of boxed ourselves in, like, I don't want to have that conversation because it's uncomfortable. I don't know if I want to pursue repairing that relationship because it's uncomfortable. I don't know if I want to give to that level because it's uncomfortable. Here's the thing. Our comfort doesn't equal our capacity. God has built in all of us a greater capacity, and in order to have that capacity, we have to have the faith To pursue it. And that's what Pastor Jeff talked about last week. He connected the concept of faith and risk together. He said things like this He said, There is no risk without faith, and there is no faith without risk. He said also that faith motivates us to action. In a sense, we need to go from having faith to having acting faith. And so, what we're saying here is that risk for Jesus is our faith in action. And so taking risks for Jesus leads us beyond our comfort and to our capacity. I want to take you to a place in Scripture, one of many, where we see that demonstrated. So open your Bibles with me, please, to the book of Luke. Open up to Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5. I hope all of you have a Bible or a Bible application on your device. We believe that opening up the Word of God and you've seen it with your own eyes, touching it, feeling it, is so important. And we're going to look at a passage, and we're just going to move through it a little bit at a time, And we're going to a very defining moment. It's one of the accounts where Jesus calls his first disciples. And we see this account in the book of Luke, chapter 5. And uh, let's start with verse 1 and just read a few verses here together. It says, On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him... Let's just stop there. This is Jesus is going around the Sea of Galilee. He's teaching. And so uh, on one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on Jesus... To hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of the Gennesaret. This is the northwest side of the Sea of Galilee. And he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, this is Simon Peter, he asked him to put out a little from the land and he sat down and taught the people from the boat. we can just stop right there and realize this that people are pressing in closer to Jesus, and they're listening to the Word of God. And you know lives are about to change. You know why? Because people are pressing in close to Jesus to hear the Word of God. And any time we press in closer to Jesus, especially with the ears of faith, to hear the Word of God, lives are going to change. That's just the nature of things. That's why we take a week like next week. I mean, next week really is about seeking the presence of God for a week together as a community. And so we try to press in closer to Jesus. We try to pray together. We look at God's Word together. We spend time as individuals in private space as well as in little groups. In a moment, to, to look at God's Word together, to pray together, and to seek Him. Because when you press in close to Jesus, your life will change. When you hear the Word of God with the ears of faith and apply it, lives are about to change. Uh, on the airplane ride back to Cleveland a couple nights ago, uh, I had a conversation with a brother in Christ who sat down next to me for a few minutes. And uh, he had an opportunity, he just got done uh, that day sharing the gospel, sharing the good news with a very wealthy and affluent, influential woman. And uh, she's, she's tasted the best the world has to offer, and she's still empty. Sound familiar? Sound like a common story, right? And so he gave her a challenge. He said, I challenge you just to read the book of John. Just read the book of John. And then he showed me this text that she had just sent him before he got on the plane that says, I finished the book of John, and I haven't been able to sleep for hours. Why is that? Because God is interacting with their spirit. That's the power of God's word. And when people press in close to Jesus and they start to hear the word of God, lives are about to change. And so I think that's so important that as you starting this year, you need to ask yourself, how am I pressing in close to Jesus? How am I coming to the word of God and letting it sift me? In, and how am I interacting with it? And that's why we're saying, man, get into that Bible reading plan that we put together. It's more robust this year. Some of you have already seen that. You're like, wow, man, there's no joke. Like, You're two or three chapters at a time. It's like, Yeah, but, but sit there and, and, and create the margin in your life and press in close to Jesus and let the Word of God come into you and, and sift it and let the Lord let it sift you. And so you've got to press in close to Jesus in order to pursue your capacity and start to take risks because if you're not spending time with Jesus, you're not going to take risks for Jesus because the more time you spend with Jesus, the more you'll love Jesus. The more I love you, Jesus, the more you'll take risks for Jesus. And so you have to press in close to him. And we see these people pressing in close to him and then getting to hear the word of God. So we know there's about to be a life change and we start to see that take place. Verse four, and when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, master, we toiled all night and took nothing, but at your word, I will let down the nets. You see what's taking place here? Just paint the scene in your mind for a minute. You're Peter. You're a fisherman. Your brother Andrew's with you. You've got some of your friends down there. They've got their boat, James and John, probably some other fishermen around. You've been fishing all night. You didn't get anything. You just came in. You parked the boats. You got all the gear out of the boats. You're on the land. You're washing your nets. You're done. Game over. Man, this, this is a wash, right? Some of you have been to the lake. You know that's a big undertaking, right? Boats in the water, getting the boats out of the water, getting everything out. They're done. They're on the land. Jesus comes. A lot of people want to hear him teach. Hey, Peter, I'm in your boat. Can you just pull off a little bit from the shore, create some margin so I can talk to the people? Yeah, that's not inconvenient. Sure, let's do that. Gets in the boat, comes off the shore a little bit. We're just chilling. Jesus is teaching. All is good. And then Jesus looks at you and says, okay, now let's take the boat out to deeper water. Let's get the nets and let's put down the nets for a catch. are you serious? I mean, just think about this moment. Jesus is interrupting Peter's day. (laughs) Jesus is interrupting Peter's agenda. And what he's asking is inconvenient. And not only that, but Peter's experience and Peter's expertise as a fisherman are probably coming up with a list of reasons why this is a bad idea right? I mean, you can just hear Peter going, are you serious? This carpenter is going to tell me how to fish? Why don't you go make a chair or something, you know? Okay. (laughs) Top of that, I've been fishing all night. There's nothing out there. So there's no point. Now it's daytime. There's definitely not going to be any fish out there. On top of that, if there are any fish out there, you got all these people on the shore that have scared them away. There's no good reason to go fishing right now and put down a net. But because you said so, I will. So you got to understand something. When, when, when the Lord is going to challenge you, when the Lord is going to try to take you from a smaller capacity to a higher capacity, we all know it's going to be an interruption in our life somehow, isn't it? It's going to be inconvenient on some level. And we're probably going to have a list of reasons why we shouldn't do what the Lord has asked us to do. Well, you want me to try to forgive that person? Pff, if you only knew what they've done to me. What, you want me to try to repair that relationship? Well, here's all the reasons why that won't work. Oh, you want me to go on a mission trip? Well, let me just go ahead and present to you my pre-determined uh, you know, determined reasons why I cannot ever do that. On and on and on and on and on and on, we have all these reasons why we don't want Jesus to interrupt us, we want Jesus to inconvenience us, and, we have, and our experience and our expertise says there's a lot of reasons why we shouldn't do that. And what happens when we do that, when we don't let Jesus interrupt us and we don't allow ourselves to be inconvenienced, we live at less than capacity. And the reason the church isn't as effective as the church, Big C Church is, is because the church is full of a lot of people that are happy being comfortable. Happy living for the Lord at less than the capacity that God has made them. And so as you were kicking off this year, as you're launching into a year that I really believe God wants to take and catapult us as a body that's willing to take more risk. I'm not talking about a year of risk-taking like, oh, yeah, remember in 2017 when we got a little more risky? I'm talking about, remember in 2017, we started praying a different way, and we started letting God, like, you know, challenge us in a different way, and we started becoming more risky for Jesus. Remember that's when it started? When I was dissatisfied with living this comfortable life, realizing that God had built for me a bigger capacity, and we all started pursuing that in our lives together, and we let Jesus interrupt us, and we let Jesus inconvenience us, and we, despite our excuses and despite our experience, we submitted and said yes to the things that Jesus challenged us with. Are you there? And if you're not there, are you willing to get there? Because that's what God has for us. And so we see this all taking place. And by the way, just in case you're sitting here thinking, I'm not sure I'm very resistant to the things Jesus says. Because sometimes we can really deceive ourselves. We go, like... I don't know. I feel like I'm pretty obedient to Jesus. Let's just take a quick survey of just a few of the commands that Jesus has said. Um, Matthew 4, Jesus said, repent. Let's just start there. Repent meaning turn from your sin, turn to Christ. Some of us are like, ooh, okay, well, maybe I don't really repent of the things I do wrong as much as I should, so maybe I'm a little hesitant. Uh, Matthew 5, attempt to reconcile with someone who has something against you. Yeah, okay, got me there, maybe a little bit resistant to trying to repair relationships when someone's got something against me. Matthew 5 again, love your enemies, pray for your persecutors. I don't think any of us are going to be the first to raise our hands to go, it is easy for me to pray for my enemies. It's easy for me to pray for the people who persecute me. No, this is a this is command of the Lord. How about Matthew 28, make disciples. What if we were to raise our hands right now and say, how many of you have made a disciple of Christ? Some of us be like, oh, please don't say that. Please don't say that because we've been walking with Jesus for years, but we can't think of one person who's walking with Jesus because of our influence. That's called us to be disciples. Are we making disciples? Or are we resistant? Do we have all our reasons of excuses as to why that won't work? Uh, Mark 12, love the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Some of us are going, uh, I definitely can grow in that. Of course, right after that, he says, and love your neighbor as yourself. And some of you are thinking, well, Jesus meant all my neighbors except for that one. No, Jesus meant that one too, right? And so we're to love our neighbors both near and far. Are we faithful? Are we obedient or are we hesitant? Are we reluctant? Do we have our reasons why that won't work? Mark 16 says, preach the gospel. Are we people who preach the gospel, who tell people about our Jesus and what he's done, and how good he is and how awesome his love is? In John 13, he tells us to love each other as Christ loves us. Some of us love each other. We love to pick apart each other (laughs) instead of just loving one another as Christ loves us. See, when we start to look at the commands of Jesus and then we start to ask ourselves, are we truly obedient or are we reluctant? Are we hesitant? And so we need to come to this moment realizing just like Peter, who was inconvenienced, who was given an uncomfortable interruption, he, he, he humbly responded and said, but because you asked Jesus, I'll do it anyways. Let me ask you a question. Do you think Jesus is gonna ask you to do something in the near future outside your comfort zone? If you love Jesus and if you follow Jesus, odds are yes. Jesus is gonna ask you to do something in the very near future outside your comfort zone. Will you say yes, despite all the reasons that come to your mind why you should say no? And what happens when you say yes? Well, let's see what continues next. Verse 6, And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish, and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of the fish they had taken. And so also were James and John, the son of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. Do you see what just happened? Because of Jesus, the nets were filled to their capacity and busting. Because of Jesus, now the boats were being filled to their capacity and sinking. It was the faith of Peter to do what Jesus said, to take a risk that filled the nets and started to sink the boats. And so it was filled to capacity, and now Jesus is focusing on Peter and going, I'm about to invite you into a journey where you too will be filled to your capacity. I mean, think about Peter. Peter. Nothing wrong with his life. He's got a good life. He's a fisherman. He loves fishing. He does fishing well. That's all good. But the question is, as a fisherman, what was his capacity being used for for the Lord? I mean, he was casting nets into water to catch finned creatures. Nothing wrong with that. But this is a moment where Jesus uses this miracle to call Peter onto a mission. And it's on that mission, and of course, if you study the life of Peter, that God took Peter and said, no, I've made you for a much greater capacity, and I want you to live to the capacity that I've made you. And in that moment, Peter hit his knees, a very appropriate response, because he realized he was in the presence of God. Only God could do what he was doing, and his response of, depart from me, from a sinful man. He realized he was in the presence of God and the righteousness that comes with God. And in that moment, he saw himself so small, and he saw his capacity to be used by God as so small. Just get away from me. I'm no good to you. You can't use me. But instead, Jesus invites Peter into mission. Don't you love that about our Jesus? That Jesus invites the sinners and doesn't reject the sinners. Jesus invited us as sinners into relationship and didn't reject us. And he's continuing to do that. And he's given us that mission, to invite others into new life in Christ. There's that moment where Peter was going to be serving the Lord. He says, I want to make you a fisher of men. Man, you thought you were happy putting a net in water to catch finned creatures? I'm going to take you out to take the net of the gospel into the sea of humanity to save souls for the kingdom of God. He wanted him to live at a different capacity. The net got full. The boats got full, and now Peter's going to be put on a journey where his heart and his life are going to be full to the capacity that God had made him for. And in order to live to your capacity, you have to take risks for Jesus. Have you experienced Christ doing this in your life? Filling your nets, filling your boats, calling you into mission? This is the life of a follower of Christ. This isn't a life just for pastors and missionaries. This is all of us. We're all missionaries. We're all on mission for Christ if we name Jesus as our Savior. I mean, look what happens next. It's very interesting. Look at verse 11, the last verse in this little section. Look at verse 10 again, actually. Do not be afraid. He's saying, put away your fear. From now on, you'll be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to the land... They left everything and followed him. Don't you find that curious? Don't you find that curious? I mean, think about that for a second. They just caught the catch of their lifetime. Never before did a net get filled to the capacity and two boats get filled to the capacity that started to sink. They'd never caught fish like this before. And when Peter fell down and said, depart from me, he was in the boat. And after this happened, they brought the boats to the shore, giant catch. What did they do? Left it. Did you ever notice that? They didn't say, hey, hold on, Jesus, we're going to go ahead and sell these first. We're going to cook up a little fish barbecue. We're going to have a great time, and then we'll catch up with you. They left the catch of their life to follow Jesus. See, this is why some of us are not living to the capacity that God has given us, because we are more about what the net holds than the one who can fill the net. We just want Jesus to keep filling our net. If you just fill this net, then I'll be happy, I'll be content, I'll be comfortable. I'm comfortable when my net has stuff in it. In fact, if anything, this is probably the way it would go down if they were to uh, do this according to human will. It'd be like, man, we like this Jesus guy. Let's have him come fishing tomorrow and the next day and the next day because then he can you know, take care of us and make us comfortable. But they left that net full of fish for the one who could fill it anytime he wanted. Are we about the net? Are we about the comfort? Are we about following the one who fills it, the one who brings the catch? And see, once we learn that, we start to move from a person who's just living comfortably to a person who's living to the capacity that God has made us for. It's risky to follow Jesus. And taking risks for Jesus will move us beyond our comfort and to our capacity. As we look at 2017 as a church, a truly desire and truly feel like God has for us, a season where we become bigger risk takers for Jesus and start to see the catch that it will bring for the kingdom of God. And when I say bigger risk-takers for Jesus, I want to talk about what that means. I'm talking about becoming bigger spiritual risk-takers, like bigger spiritual risk-takers. Look at your life. Assess it spiritually. Are you growing? Are you stagnant? Are you moving backwards? Or are you taking risks when it comes, uh, when it comes to getting close to the Lord? Like, was your, is your Bible time? Are you, like, in the Word? Are you risking getting up early? And somebody would like, oh, that is risky, especially if somebody were to wake up and see me, you know? Making margin to, 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 or maybe it's lunchtime. Take the risk of, of creating more time to spend time in God's Word. Your prayer life. Is your prayer life risky? Like, this is an area in my own life that I feel like God's challenging me. Like, like, I think I need to be praying riskier prayers, bolder prayers. Like, when you study Scripture, you see, like, Jesus says things like, you have not because you ask not. Ask for anything in my name, and it shall be yours. And of course, to you know that doesn't mean you know, asking for human things, for our own pursuits and passions and pleasures. We're talking about pursuing the things of God. Is your prayer life risky? Are you praying for people to come to the Lord that you've given up on? Are you praying for God to do mighty works, the, the, the mighty healings and mighty works in your life, emotionally, physically, all those things? Like, is your prayer life risky? Some of you... You say that you follow Christ, you haven't got baptized yet. Like, let's just get dunked because you love Jesus, okay? Like, that's a risk for some of you. It's like, well, take the risk. How, how can you be more of a spiritual risk taker? What about fasting? Like for Seek Week, we always challenge people to fast. Fasting is a spiritual discipline that's good to include in our life throughout the year, not just one week, but throughout the year, where we basically trade our desire for physical food for a desire for spiritual food. And you pray when you're hungry. And some of you are like, oh, man, I'll be praying a lot then, you know? Instead of filling our stomachs with physical food, we go through a season where we fill our souls with spiritual food. We pray deeper and we pray stronger. Some of you are like, oh, man, that's too much because you're happy with comfortable. Not living to the capacity that God has made for you. How are you going to be a spiritual risk taker You know, coming to Seek Week for some of you. Some of you are like, man, I just, I don't know if I can make it. You know, my calendar's full. You know what? Take a risk. Clear your calendar. Well, I can't make it every night. Well, come as many nights as you can. Take a risk to come into a room and just say, I'm here, and maybe I'm going to be in the corner by myself praying and just getting close to God. Maybe I'll be with one other person. But just just say, I'm going to show up this week just to say, God, have your way with me. Just speak to me. I'm just pursuing you and seeking your presence this week. If that's a risk for you, take that. For some of you, it's serving inside the church. A spiritual risk-taking moment for you will be like, I'm tired of being a consumer, where I just show up, get something, and leave. It's time to be a contributor. In fact, I'm going to become a member of this body. I'm going to find a place to serve and use my gifts. That's going to be a spiritual risk-taking step for me. For some of you, you're ready for that. For some of you, that might even mean being an elder at our church or leading a life group or something along those lines where you take the next level of leadership. For some of you, it's the mission trip. Some of you have never served globally or regionally. You know what? Maybe the spiritual risk-taking step for you is go get your passport. And you're thinking, "But I don't have anywhere to go yet." It just means you're on standby. God, if you want me to go, I'm ready. And this is this is a physical way I can say I'm willing to go and take that risk. For some of you, it's going downtown or going to another state to help people. The big risk-taking for some of us just going next door. There's a life house. There's loving on your neighbors, serving your neighbors, praying for your neighbors. How is that going to be that spiritual risk-taking step for you? So what's the next spiritual step of growth for you? A risky one to help you pursue the capacity that God has in your life. Not only are we to be spiritual risk-takers, we're supposed to be relational risk-takers. Some of you are like, well, what does that mean? It means that you take risks in relationships and you take risks building relationships. Like when it takes, like for some of you, taking that risk to build a relationship with someone who's different than you. The reason that some of us are not living to the capacity that God has for us is because we like our relationships to feel like this, comfortable. You're like me, I'm like you, you like what I like, I like what you like, therefore, it's a good relationship. But honestly, if you want to be filled to the capacity that God has for you, when you look at Acts 1.8, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth, you're talking about building relationships with people who aren't like you. Hopefully all of us have friendships with people of a different ethnicity. God made this beautiful kaleidoscope on earth. I hope we all have friends of people of different ethnicity or uh, whatever different persuasion. Like, look, if you voted for Hillary, do you have a friend who voted for Trump, Right? If you voted for Trump, do you have a friend who voted for Hillary? Do you have a gay friend? Do you have a Muslim friend, a Hindu friend? Do you have relationships you're building with people who are different than you? Because if you're not willing to do that, then you're settling for comfort and not for capacity. Are you building relationships with those people who are different than you? And then are you building health in the relationships with people you know and love? Like being a relational risk taker means that there are relationships that are damaged, that need to be repaired, and you're willing to pursue them. I would rather live with rejection than to live with regret. Some of you are on a path to live with regret. And living to capacity means you're willing to take a relational risk and initiate someone that you haven't talked to in years. They got beef with you or you got beef with them and there's hurt. And you know what? You just got to step out. Maybe it will work. Maybe it won't. But it's better to live with rejection than regret because that's high capacity living in the eyes of God, I believe. I've been sharing with you guys just some of the journey with my father, and some of you have seen this already, but, um, you know, haven't seen my father in almost a decade. He's never met my entire family, and so when we were in California uh, the last couple weeks, we got in a van, drove six hours. We spent three hours with my dad. It's the first time you see my entire family. He's the guy on the right there. We had an amazingly pleasant visit. It was just a gift from God. We showed up. He stepped out. He looked at my kids and said, hey, I'm your granddad. Gave them hugs. I'm like, I don't know how this is going to go down, you know, <laughs> and um Invited us into the house that was comfortable. He got to know the kids. He was asking questions. He was engaged, all these kinds of things. And um, it was all, we had a great time. Three beautiful hours with my dad. Gave him hugs, drove off, went and visited some friends down in Southern California. I have no idea what's going to happen with that. Now, if I'm going to be a spiritual risk taker, I'm going to pray risky prayers about that. But if anything, I believe it's done a work in his heart. It did a work in my kid's heart. It did a work in my heart. You know, we'll see what God does. Are you being a relational risk taker? That's what it means to be a high capacity, to to pursue the capacity God has for your life. What about being a person who's building relationships with other believers? For some of you, the relational, relational risk taking means you've got to get in a life group. Some of you have never been in a life group. It's time to get in a life group. Group connect today. Group connect next Sunday. Some of you are like, ah oh, man, my last life group didn't work out. Take the risk again. Take the risk again. We just keep pursuing relationships. We keep pursuing vulnerability and connection. That's how God's wired us. Some of you, the relational risk is that you've been in a life group. It's time for you to start leading one. It's time for you to start leading a life group. Whatever it looks like, take that relational risk. Not only are we to be relational risk takers, spiritual risk takers, we're to be conversational risk takers. Like we we gotta connect with people conversationally. We gotta have conversations. And so in order to be uh, living at that high capacity, we really need to live by that three foot rule that whenever someone comes within three feet of you, you are always doing one of three things. You are either planting seeds for the gospel watering seeds for the gospel, or harvesting seeds for the gospel. You're always doing one of those three things, planting seeds, watering seeds, harvesting seeds. But that's gonna involve communication, by the way. Some of it will be online, some of it might be on the phone, but a lot of it's gonna be eye to eye and heart to heart. We're all sudden, like, you know, you say, how you doing, and you actually are interested in the answer. And you actually might follow up on the answer, or God will give you the discernment that even though they say fine, you hear a tone that says they're not fine. And instead of being like all the other people who go, good, and walk off, you go, are you sure? Are you everything okay? And maybe they'll say everything's fine. But you know what? Maybe that one extra question as a conversational risk taker makes them go, you know what? Actually, I'm not fine. My marriage is a mess. I'm sick. Man, I just got some tough stuff going on in my life. Conversational, spiritual, relational risk taker. You know what? Tell me about it. Hey, can I pray for you? Maybe it means you're the one in the elevator that instead of just the awkward 10-floor ride, you actually go, hey, how you doing today? They're like, whoa, human contact. So no-no, not in the elevator, you know? If if we're gonna be conversational risk-takers, let's just be honest. For a lot of us, it means we gotta stop burying our face in a silly screen. We gotta stop burying our face in a screen. Do you realize how tragic it is that people will sit at a table across from each other like this? The families will be at a dinner table or in their house, everyone on their own screen. That you can go into a room of people and less people are talking to each other, but they're all on some glowing little tablet. I'm not anti-tablet. I love using technology device, but there's a time for it and there's a time not for it. And we need to rise up as conversational risk takers and go, you know what? This is a time to make eye contact and actually connect with a person. Because social media is making us unsocial. And so we have to learn. How to use that wisely. How to use it as a tool that's a benefit, not as something that actually drifts family and friends and strangers apart. Conversational risk taker. Being a conversational risk taker means, you know what? This is going to be an unpleasant conversation, but I love you enough to have it. Right? The conversational risk taking is saying, hey, I love you, but we got to talk about this, and maybe you need to bring up that addiction or that immoral thing or whatever it is that God's put on your radar and you love that person enough to ask. Because I don't know about you, but when people have asked me about those things in my life, I know that they love me and they care for me and God's used it to help me. They took a conversational risk. And if we're going to live to the capacity that God has for us, we've got to be spiritual risk takers. We've got to be relational risk takers. We've got to be conversational risk takers. And we also have to be financial risk takers. We've got to keep drawing as investors. So here's the thing. The money flows where the heart goes. And so if our heart is about the work of God then our resources are going to flow that way. You can't separate faith and finances. You can't. We try. That's not a reality. Jesus talks about that. You can't serve both God and money, right? And so if we're going to be relational risk takers, it means that we start to loosen our grip on our resources and say, God, how do you want me to use these? Not just for my purposes, not just for my pleasure, but for your work. And so it means blessing other people who have need. It means learning to be more faithful. Maybe it means getting out of debt so you have more to be generous with. Maybe it means forming a budget or, heaven forbid, living by a budget, right? Maybe it means being intentional. Instead of just impulsive with my money and random, I start to go, you know what? I want to tighten it up and be more specific and intentional and start to look at where God wants me to start directing the resources he's given me. And then you start to become more risky with that. Like, God, I know I've been tithing for years, but maybe you don't want me to tithe anymore. You want me to double my tithe or triple my tithe or add a percent, Or maybe, uh, you know, there's this initiative or this mission opportunity or whatever that I'm just going to go and take this extra check that came. I'm going to give it to that and just pretend I never had it. Like, do we not believe that it's better to be about the one who can fill the net than the net? And so we're going to have to become financial risk takers if we're going to pursue the capacity that God has for us because our comfort is not our capacity. And if we're going to take risks for Jesus, it means we're going to have to step out and trust him. Because it's that kind of faith that will fill the net. It's that kind of faith that will fill the boat. It's that kind of faith that will fill you to the capacity that God's made you for. Some of you are paralyzed. You're paralyzed by fear, by past lies, by past mistakes. And Jesus is looking at you going, don't be afraid. I'm calling you to something more. And he wants you to live to a capacity that he's made for you. I just want to share a few things that I think God's calling us to do as a church as far as being risk takers. I mean, obviously, we're going to keep preaching the gospel. Even if the gospel becomes uh, continuously unpopular, sorry, we're still going to teach the Bible. We're still going to preach the gospel. That's, risk, that's risky enough, right? And so we're going to continue to do that. We're going to continue to use the living new momentum that we've had. But one of the things that we, as we've been talking in, in the leadership uh, groups in our church is that we feel like God is calling us to basically leverage um, our influence for the gospel in a broader range, specifically with our life group and life house strategies. Like right now we have about 100 life groups. What if we had 150. What if we had 200, 250? We start seeing those life groups growing. And of course, if we're going to have more life groups, we need more life group leaders. So right now, we're building a a way to systematically develop leaders. It's called the greenhouse. We're going to help move people from leading themselves to leading others, to leading leaders, to leading departments, to leading organizations, in a way that we can help grow people spiritually in leadership. But all that's to help fuel more leaders that can make a big difference in Northeast Ohio. And we really believe that life groups can be a vehicle to continue to do effective ministry because there's people around you in homes and neighborhoods around you that might not ever step foot in a church, but they might come to your home. They might come to your life group. They might allow you into relationship with them. And so we can see how life groups can be more missional. They can be more strategic in helping not only people connect, but also continue to get the gospel out there to people who may never step foot in a church. There's that whole thing about we don't go to church. We are the church, Right? So life groups can be a more potent vehicle to share the gospel. We also believe we can be more effective at being life houses. I don't know how many life houses we have. And when I say that, I don't know literally how many of us are active as a life house that we truly are immediately adopting our neighborhood, and we're praying for our neighbors by name, and we're finding practical ways to serve them, and we're sharing the gospel with them as the Lord allows. And so let's say we have 50 lifehouses. Well, then we want 100. Again, because life houses will make more of a connect with people than just merely an invitation to a church service. We want to keep inviting people to church, but we've got to go out there and be the hands and feet of Christ. Be the mouth of Christ. We've got to be relational risk takers, conversational risk takers, financial risk takers, spiritual risk takers to connect with people, and life houses would allow us to do that. And so this year, we're looking for our first stories of people coming to faith in Christ through a life group. This year, we're looking for our first stories of people coming to faith in Christ because of the life house that's loving on them and serving them and presenting the gospel to them. And so we can't wait to hear those stories of people coming to Christ. Also, we're gonna to continue to pursue Unreached People Group. There and there are people groups out there that don't know Christ. You know that we're actively pursuing at least one right now and a couple others we're looking at um, but we're looking at uh, this people group in Indonesia on Pearl Island, the Soli people. And we're in for such treat because next week, uh, T and K, our friends from Indonesia, will be here with us. And they're going to be able to share uh, stories of what God's doing on that island of three million people trapped in Islam. And so uh, that's, that's a risk-taking pursuit. And we're going to continue to pursue unreached people groups. Also, uh, we want to unleash ourselves from debt. That's a risk. It's a risk that we're going to have to, as a community, start to give more toward our debt so we can repurpose our resources to pursue more people for Christ, to reach more people for Christ. And so we have just under $1.6 million left. We're going to put together a formal uh, campaign this year to absolutely eliminate our debt so we don't have that monthly payment bogging us down and preventing us from reaching more people for Christ. And so that's a big risk that we're going to take, but it's a risk we're taking so we can free up more resources to reach more people for Christ. And so those are some of the things that are coming up. You'll hear more about about those as time comes along. But for today, I just want to ask you this. As you sit here right now, how does God want you to become more of a risk taker? I'm going to invite some friends up here to help me with the illustration. But basically, I want you to think about this glass that I've been working with. So many of you are living at a a small capacity, you're living with comfort. Why are you here today? If you're watching online, why are you here? Why are you happy with comfort when God has so much more for you? And not only, what would it it look like if each of us as an individual would start to pursue living to the capacity that God has for us by taking more risks for Jesus? What, What would it look like if a family live to their capacity? What if moms and dads were discipling their kids and helping them pursue the capacity that Jesus has built them for, finding ways that they can start to serve and be spiritual risk-takers and relational risk-takers, conversational risk-takers, financial risk-takers? What would it look like if we're helping our next generation do that? What would it look like if a life house was living according to its capacity? What would it look like if a life group Man, a, a smaller part of the community of people were all living to their capacity. What would that look like and what kind of impact would that truly make? And then beyond that, what would it look like if our whole church, like just envision, like this is a picture of our church, all different sizes and shapes. We all have a different function and purpose. But what if we were all living to the capacity that God made us for? What if we were all living filled up overflowing, just like the nets, just like the boats, allowing God to use us as a community. Would not your neighborhood be different? Would not Northeast Ohio be different? Would not there be changes that we could make around the globe if we all were living to this capacity that God made us for? Please do not let comfort Please do not let past mistakes. Please do not let fear rob you of the joy of living to the capacity that God has made you for. Your comfort is not your capacity. So don't settle for it when God has so much more for you. Man, Peter could have stayed in that boat but he didn't. He could have not taken up the invitation from Jesus to to drop the net, but he took it. In the very near future, Jesus is going to challenge you to take a risk. Will you do it? Would you stand with me, please? We're going to pray. For some of you, the first step of risk you need to take is... (laughs) Becoming a follower of Christ. And just believing that God loves you and that your sin separates you from him. And you've got to follow Christ. And so, really, that, that first step you have to take today by just saying, Jesus, I believe. I, I believe you died on the cross. I believe you rose from the grave. I need to follow you. And if you do that, just fill out that card and turn it into it. Let us know that you're following Christ. We'll follow up with you. For the rest of us, we need to search our hearts and just come before the Lord and just say, make me a bigger risk taker. Would you do that with me now? Would you just pray with me? Would you lower your heads, bow your eyes? There's nothing about lowering your heads or bowing our eyes. It just helps us focus. Would you just take a minute to talk to the Lord? Would you ask him to identify what's stopping you from living to your capacity? Would you ask him for the faith and the obedience to take risks for Jesus? To move you beyond your comfort to your capacity? Father, that's all our prayer today. Father, help move us from our comfort to the capacity that you've built us for. Lord, for those who need to come to Christ today, for those who need to forgive others who've hurt them, for those who need to have difficult conversations, for those who need to build fresh, new, different relationships, for those who need to shake off old lies and old patterns and old habits, God, may we pursue the risk-taking, joyful, high-capacity journey that you invite us into. Help us to do that. In Jesus' name we pray. We all said.